0: Hello again, I'm Rashmi Ramesh from Information Security Media Group. I'm continuing my conversation with Hugh Brooks, who heads the security operations at CERTIC. In part one, we spoke about what went down at FTX, how the attackers stole funds from the company, where it is now, and what the role of law enforcement is in this case. In part two, the current one, we will discuss what happens to the data that FTX currently stores, what cybersecurity implications to exchanges that were exposed to FTX face? how regulations can help prevent future cases like FTX, and the best practices to set up a crypto exchange with a cybersecurity first mindset. So Hugh, someone stole about 600 million from FTX, the company says. Um, It has suspended transactions on the platform to prevent further theft. But what happens to the data the company stores? I mean, we don't know if there was a vulnerability, whether the attacker still even has access to the system. So what happens now?
1: Yeah, that is, a, that is a very interesting question. So we do have potentially some uh, idea of what could happen to it. Um, we saw this with the Celsius filings earlier this year where users' um, uh, information, uh, addresses, even in some cases transaction addresses were, were part of the court filings. Uh, Celsius did try to block that, but it didn't go through. So pretty much all of that could potentially end up in the public domain, um, depending on how things go with those, those losses. That is to say, if it hasn't somehow been deleted or otherwise exfiltrated already, um, it's obviously very high value data because um, all of the wallets on the centralized exchange were operating with you know, EOA or externally owned addresses. Um, and those potentially, um, can easily become targets for phishing if they're tied to a real-world uh, entity, and um, we've seen this. Uh, I don't know if you recall. Uh, some time ago, there was a hack of Ledger's uh, um, Ledger's data, and uh, even though no user funds were accounted, they basically got a hold of like their their CMS data there, mm-hmm. uh, and um, all immediately all of the. <laughs> Owners of those wallets started receiving phishing emails, right? Because all it takes is a couple of those to go through for for a hacker then to gain access to other wallets, or or they at least know that that person is involved in crypto and can you know target them uh, accordingly. So. Uh, It really makes things terrible for anyone that had an account on FTX because, you know, they're just going to become target after target if that data makes its way either into the public domain through lawsuits or law enforcement action or is sold on the quote you know, dark web, although some of those marketplaces aren't on the dark web to, um, you know, highest bidder or just anyone who can download it some of them are just freely downloadable uh, i think you could go and download the ledger data still um, if, if you want it for example so uh, yeah it's it's real unfortunate uh that that is is now basically a, a question up in the air and that it's potentially just waiting to be used for malicious purposes
0: and what does this incident sort of mean um in terms of cyber security for exchanges that were exposed
1: to FDX. Yeah, in in terms of cybersecurity for exchanges that were exposed to FTX, um I, I don't think we're going to see the total impact of this for for some time. Meaning, uh, I, I think we were tracking a list. Uh, I don't have it up right now of you know dozens of exchanges and protocols and projects that were. That did have exposure I, in one way or another, and if somebody had access to internal systems and you know keys that were controlling their wallets or other things are, have been exposed, it's 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 a it's a mess right now, I think, and. Uh, uh, if you are active in the space, you should actively be you know, paying attention to news and things that either you're involved in or people know are involved in to pay attention. Um, so, uh, as of right now, I would treat uh, without kind of fear mongering or flooding. Right. I would treat rumor with very close uh, scrutiny. And uh, if you see indications of, of breaches or malicious behavior on net being involved then in, you should, you should act accordingly.
0: So you mentioned um, earlier, maybe right at the beginning of our chat, that regulations may have helped prevent um, an incident like this from occurring. So um, several lawmakers are also calling for tighter regulations. So in your opinion, what should these proposed leg- regulations look like to ensure cybersecurity?
1: Yeah, so there's a little bit of nuance there. Uh, FTX was operating out of the Bahamas specifically so that they didn't fall under US regulations. So um, really what we had was an unregulated exchange operating you with know, risk high risk behavior. And so um you know without you know naming anyone specifically, you know the other ex- centralized exchanges that do operate in the US are regulated. We traded and have you know appropriate audits and things taking place to to look at them. And um, really um, can't give details on what the best regulation is. I'm not a, a regulator, but I think we would like to see action from the community to be transparent, one uh, so that um, you know community standards pave the way and inform the regulators about maybe what they should do. And really we just need regulatory clarity. Um, And I think that's what's led to all of this. There's a lot of hesitation. I've heard this from projects time and time again, like, well, we've got this great idea and we'd love to do it, but we're worried that if we do this in the United States or the EU or elsewhere, that we'll wind up uh, coming under regulatory scrutiny or being sued by the SEC, or being determined to security. Um, which can seem arbitrary right now, and um, that clarity is really what's what's needed. And uh, the U.S. and other countries that aren't providing that kind of clarity would uh, do well to do it soon, so that their countries can benefit from, you know, the upcoming Web3 industry that isn't going to be stopped by this FTX thing. It hasn't stopped by any other of the other major hacks or incidents or downfall of major. Uh, exchanges or protocols, it's probably not going to die from this. How many times has Bitcoin died over the past decade, right? And it, it hasn't and it won't. So they either offer clarity and allow for innovation and and and, and technology to, uh, you know, proceed in the countries that require regulation or they don't and they continue kind of muddling through. And I think mean, muddling through is the worst option. Um, and... Uh, but we also don't want knee-jerk reactions from, you know, U.S. lawmakers, in particular, to, you know, crack down so hard on these things that it becomes so restrictive that prevents, uh, uh, you know, Web three from developing, you know, naturally in the United States or excludes U.S. citizens from that, um, which is also a terrible outcome. Um, you know, everybody points to. Uh, uh, Okay, too philosophical. Everybody points to, you know, the drops in all these crypto and people have lost money. But let's be clear, this has happened with the traditional finance institutions as well, right? You don't have to go very far back to Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns. And has anybody paid attention to the dealer stock market, right? Like all these so-called unicorns um, that had their heyday in the last couple of years, some of them are down 90%, right? Uh, basically trading like, you know, certain, you know, terrible cryptos. So... Right, like who are they really, you know, protecting, or who are they really, really regulating by cracking down so hard on crypto, you know, in a way that they wouldn't do for other other uh, uh, domains.
0: So, do you think decentralization might be a better governing mechanism for crypto, considering that was its intended purpose to begin with?
1: Yeah, I mean that's a that's a hard yes. Yeah, that we should focus more on decentralization and you know one of the reasons that Ethereum uh, didn't fall under uh, um, you know some of these regulatory scrutinies that things like Ripple did was because of how decentralized it was. Same with Bitcoin and Web three really only works well or works as intended if it is fully decentralized and so. Um, more decentralization is good and more decentralization-focused technology is is either. That is the promise of of crypto and uh, that is the promise of blockchain technology and uh, so hard, yes, more decentralization is good.
0: So, would decentralized uh, way of governing possibly offer better cybersecurity as well?
1: So, you know, if... If uh, uh, you reduce, if you reduce, you know, single points of failure. If you reduce single points of failure, um, you increase, you know, the the robustness of the system. You know, we'd like to see, uh, you know, what's the buzzword? Anti fragile type systems that are not only resilient to, um, uh, to you know, things that happen in in the ecosystem. But um, adapt and get better after, and uh, really, that's most effective when you have a whole community working together, as opposed to you know those single points of failure or people trying to rush to play catch up on their on their own. Um, no one person or organization has the answer for all things security, and and you know it, it really will take you know a global effort to start developing both you know. Um, the types of security-minded uh, uh, approaches that we've seen in the web to uh, uh, and other areas, where you get standards like the OWASP standards, or um, you, you know, like the uh, the NIST standards that that you know go for you know uh, uh, reporting vulnerabilities and things like that. We just don't see any of that in the crypto space right now. And really, those kind of community-driven initiatives that are public-private partnerships. Will go a long way to, um, you know, providing guidance and resources for people to start to develop best security practices, and then expand on those to, you know, implement, you know, security technology and and and, and projects that benefit everyone.
0: Yeah, and we've spoken quite a bit about what does not work and what can be improved, but um, what security measures do you think an exchange should ideally have to make sure that its customer funds are as safe as they can possibly be.
1: Yeah, how much time do you have? <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, I, you know, without getting too much into buzzwords, I would say ab- absolutely a security mindset from the get-go. Um, it needs to be in place um from the developer standpoint you know in in traditional cybersecurity, we've seen this what they call shift left um and DevSecOps these kinds of terms that uh, really started to take holds more and more over the years but still aren't broadly implemented by the way um to where at you know from from concept to execution there's a security mindset and security testing at every step of the way um those would be really great and then constant vigilant efforts uh, on both preventing social engineering human's always going to be the weakest link no matter how secure your system is somebody has to access it somehow right and uh, um, so constantly uh, pushing those best practices and setting up ways and methods to prevent that human being the weakest link and then just that constant uh, uh, testing of the system through either red teaming and, and, and you know, working with internal blue teams to ensure that you have, you know, the best and brightest or maybe even some of the most malicious minds uh, looking at your system but in a safe and controlled environment to ensure that you're protecting those funds and um, I, I can't speak to internal security protocols on FTX or any other exchange, but at least in, in a lot of DeFi space, we haven't quite seen that maturity happen yet. And uh um I I I know from red teamers that have worked in, in other systems that you know there's still a lot of gaps that need to be filled there.
0: And what are some of those gaps?
1: Uh, um has yes yeah, security protocols up and down the uh up and down the chain of uh you know people that have both access to systems and the the systems that touch funds um uh, i've heard anecdotes of red teamers that have with very little effort managed to you know get their way into systems and move funds right um and uh um at this point you would hope that that would be an impossibility for an exchange whether decentralized or centralized but if um you know competent cybersecurity professionals you know are able to get through through either social engineering or as an insider threats uh uh, mimic exercise that there's still a long way to go Um, really i should talk to security professionals in the space and they should be like oh yeah there's absolutely no way to get through these guys. Like they've been working with the best of the best and their team is so savvy that it's nearly impossible to get through. And let's just say, I'm just not quite hearing that yet.
0: Well, thanks so much for that. That was a very engaging and a very enlightening conversation. I'm rashmi Ramesh with Information Security Media Group. You just heard from Hugh Brooks of Certik, which is a Web3 security company. Thank you so much for watching.